0: This is Imperial Voice, streaming from the palace of His Imperial Majesty Haile Selassie.
1: He was, uh, in his leadership, a very empathetic and therefore you know a great leader in some phenomenal way the direct inheritors of um, imperial Ethiopia were Rastafarians
0: voice. This is In Our City. I'm Tosin. I'm William. And our special guest today is Princess Esther Selassie Antuhim, founder of Heritage Watch Ethiopia. Princess Esther, welcome. Thank you so much. Good to be here. So, um, Princess Esther, could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, I can start from where my birth. (laughs) I was born in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia several decades ago, <laughs> and uh, spent the uh, early, very early part of my life actually in England in boarding school, and um, uh, in uh, 74, 1974, there was a Marxist revolution.
2: Oh, we've jumped uh, forward a bit I, fast there. I, I, which school were you at? And and also, w- you were born presumably into imperial Ethiopia, weren't you? We'd, we'd, we'd That's love to right. Hear, we'd love to That's hear a right. bit about that.
1: Okay, Well, um, you know, life uh, in the uh, early 70s uh, and 60s, as I recall it, was uh, very simple, of course, growing up uh, in Addis Ababa. And, um, you know, um, in some ways, uh, our upbringing was very, very, you know, uh, normal. We went to normal schools, private schools, but they were not. Tut- we were not tutored, or uh, you know, away from normal life. Um, and um, uh, so it was. It was a very, very great upbringing, as I recall it. Uh, my parents, um, Princess Jagayaswaran, and my father, the Jazmachukrasat Lasya Um uh, were loving parents. I am one of uh, five other siblings, and um, uh, life was wonderful until I sort of the change. A big change in my life happened at age eleven uh, when uh, I was sent uh, uh, to boarding school in Clarendon, Abergalley, North Wales. Now, uh, <laughs> uh, this this is a, a family tradition because. As you well know, His Majesty was in exile uh, during uh, until 41, 36 to 41. And uh, my mother uh, at the time, she was born 1934. So she was one infant during that period. But uh, most of her cousins and herself remained in England and went to boarding school. And uh, believe it or not, we went to the same boarding school. So it had become a, a family tradition. Um, and um, myself, my sisters and cousins, uh, children of the uh, previous generation of Clarendonians, went uh, uh, to go to school there. Um, so for, 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 for me, it was a big cultural shock to go there, but you know, uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, a great preparation for uh, a life that would be outside of Ethiopia. Uh,
0: yeah. So
1: learning another culture, another language, uh, living with other uh, people uh, you know it ended up being that way um it was difficult initially of course uh, we joined up and and it ended up being quite quite an amazing experience
2: i'm not surprised i think english boarding schools and and, and welsh boarding schools also are very much overrated uh, in my experience people say yeah. this
1: <laughs> yeah um you know it was uh, physically very distant from our you know some relatives we had in london and so on uh, it was It was um, uh, very Victorian, uh, uh, the rules and the the, uh, some of which, you know, some of the disciplines, some of the uh, have helped me in my life quite a bit. At the time, they were, uh, you know, they were not very welcome.
2: I, <laughs> I, can, I, can, <laughs> so, <laughs> I can imagine that. It, 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 that it equips you well for the rest of life, is a nice way of putting it. So and did did uh, the more extended sort of imperial family live sort of close by or were, were you all sort of separate? We,
1: we lived, you know, just, um uh at the time, again, uh, late 60s, as I recall it, and uh, early 70s, very small town. I mean, everybody knew everybody's house and um, uh, we all lived separately but you know we visited his majesty my great grandfather um, almost uh, weekly and um, f- the family often got together in his palace in his house um, where we met up with cousins and so on um, and um, uh, other members of course we visited during holidays his uh, feasts and, and that sort of thing. So it was a close knit uh, family, and we grew up around him uh, up until the time that the revolution happened.
0: So, can I ask a question about um, sort of boarding school? I, I went to uh, an English boarding school as well, and uh-huh. I had friends, and some people had really, really positive, really enjoyable experiences. I didn't enjoy it at all, um, but it was character forming. How did you find it? Did yeah. you ever, did you ever find that any racism, any prejudice, or was it other things that were um, that you didn't get along with so well?
1: Well, you know, uh, it, it is the, uh, for me um, in Ethiopia, uh, our upbringing and and our lack of exposure to other cultures. Ethiopia is pretty homogeneous, you know. It didn't have the colonial experience, so really, I, I had no idea what, for instance, racism would be um, mm. until. I came to Clarendon where my classmates and, you know, we, we lived together. I mean, these are dorms and they were extremely curious about me uh, other than other people, because I I was the color of my skin and uh, my hair was such. So I I became an object of great curiosity, which I was very uncomfortable about. And it was an unwanted attention, let's say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then of course, later I would realize what that that was. I decided to label it as as we all do, growing up and learning the 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 life of language, race, yes. and the language. Yes. But but my initial uh, uh, thing was now. On the other hand, um, the faculty, um, uh, the headmistress and others were uh, some of them were had educated my, my mother and her uh, her cousins. So they were really like surrogate aunts and great grandmothers because they were very, sometimes they would even confuse. Uh, I would often be name, called by my mother's name because they would forget. They were older, of course. And so so it had that feel of of an extended family as well because they knew so well um, our, our mothers. And so it, it, it was yes and no. I mean, you know, it was where I first lent uh, that I'm the other.
0: <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> so. Um, I, I I so understand what you mean. I didn't realize yeah. I was black until I came to England. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I see. They just, I didn't know that. I didn't understand this concept of being exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: uh, uh, so you learnt it, you know that that you're clearly. Um, uh, and and you know, uh, children are are if they don't understand something, they they're. Uh, uh the, you know the, they're both they cu- so it was a strong curiosity and it wasn't um it was just a staring and so on it wasn't making fun or anything like that so <laughs> i hope i've described it enough um, well, I but it it, you know now we're looking back i really uh feel i had enjoyed it but maybe that wasn't the case then
2: I think we have, a, we have a, a gift of self-deception about these things, don't we? I mean, <laughs> That's right. So I'm intrigued. So you described uh, you know, a fam- an extended family life in an intimate Addis Ababa and, and sort of meet- an extended family that would meet up every week. Was, was the emperor a, a close figure or, or, or distant?
1: Well, um, uh, according to my experience, you know, I mean, we knew he was an emperor. So there was a lot of, um, you know, we had access to him. Uh, hmm. but there's a lot of fussing around him too um, uh, he he was very open to children he would um, you know uh, very broad smiles when he saw us but of course we had to it is within our culture uh, to um, kiss his feet mm-hmm. and uh, bow to him and so uh, we did this as everyone else did but you know we'd have we'd come into his bedroom and um before dinner and he would individually talk to us. He was very curious about what we thought we were going to be when we grow up. I'll Mm -hmm. never forget uh, this um, uh, dialogue I I had with him constantly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And um, he was very encouraging and and pleased the answers we would give him. And um, uh, so, yes, he was accessible to us,
0: but uh, clearly, you know, he's not just a normal grandfather, I suppose. It really must have been challenging experience because you have the intimacy but you also have to behave with awe. that's right well that must have prepared you for very difficult situations uh in the future
1: it did it did um you know my, my um uh, youth uh, in, in imperial ethiopia was short-lived i mean i was oh. of age that i remember him um i i I was 14 when the revolution happened, and uh, of course, so much tragedy would would follow. But because it was it was so uh, um, short lived, I suppose it's very um, there's a lot of le- lessons learned um, and very strong lessons learned. Um, and uh, um, so, uh, but. But um, i'm I'm very glad that I, I am of that generation, at least that got a chance to to know him. Where so, were you physically when when the revolution happened? Well, you know, we came back from Clarendon in uh, um, June of seventy four and uh, by August uh, there was already a blacklist that um, we could not leave the country. So uh, we were in, uh, but my my mother, my parents uh, were in um, uh, a region Oromia right now. It's called or uh, known as Oromia in the city of Nukams, which is about 325 kilometers from Addis Ababa, where my father had uh, been a governor. So we were away from the city where a lot of the killings and all sort of things happening. Uh, but uh, eventually. By um, late 75, um, already His Majesty was killed, um, uh, and both my parents eventually were uh, taken to Addis Ababa and arrested, so. Um,
0: Did you live in fear for your allies? Um,
1: why, why, yes. Uh, while in, in, in the region, uh, you know, away from uh, the capital, it wasn't as threatening. But um, from 70, uh, late 76 till, uh, no, early 76 till 77, when we escaped, it was um, terrifying. Uh, um, you know, we saw You heard um, gunshots, Uh, uh, the the radio was used as um, a very demolarizing propaganda machine, where you heard your relatives and, uh, you know, your your family's um, connections uh, being uh, denounced and, you know, enemy of the people. Even for a 15 year old it's very impacting you know we don't have a way of understanding everything and yet it's just sheer terror yes
2: mm. absolutely it sounds petrifying um, so so you've lived through and and then escaped a revolution yes. in the country uh, yes. and do you want to talk about your escape and you went to america
1: yeah um what happened actually was um uh, my mother became sadly the the only member of the royal family uh, to have, uh, besides His Majesty, of course, uh, to have died in, mm. in detention. Um, she was denied uh, medical um, tr- uh, treatment and she had complications with her intestine issues and um, she died. Um, so we were given her uh, remains to bury, which again, you know, relative to other stories who don't even get that, I suppose that was mm. good. We buried her she in February, and um, there was um, an operation to, to get us um, out of the country, um, assisted by a, a few um, uh, um, philanthropic organizations, one in Sweden, and I think various in England, and my grandfather heading it, um, um, Crown Prince Warson, later Emperor Ammar Selassie. And um, they were organizing uh, uh, an escape for us because it was inevitable. It was a matter of time. We'd be put in detention, possibly killed. So um, uh, by July, by June, no, late June of 1977, uh, it succeeded. uh, And uh, we were airlifted from. Um, a little ways outside of Addis, uh, in a resort town called Langano, two um, small aeroplanes that were really um, for safari from Kenya and came and picked us up and brought us to Nairobi, Kenya. something very remarkable because the... um, Uh, there was a lot of surveillance, uh, military surveillance so I mean it was God's will we were protected and brought there
2: and you were then refugees at that point or
1: became refugees um, and uh, all of us ended up in the United States, I do want to mention this connection, the person who took the risk of uh, saving uh, nine uh, children ranging from age 21 to 3 uh, was Mr. Dale Collins, an American missionary, who actually risked his life and took us out with him. And uh, his wife, uh, who was waiting for us in, uh, in um, Nairobi, was um, Jodie Collins. And, um, uh, you know, a great, great sacrifice, uh, personal sacrifice they made. Uh, and we're indebted to them, of course. And we were free. Uh, finally, free. Came out in Nairobi and well, became refugees. Story.
0: Became refugees. <laughs> right. That is quite a story already on its own. Mm. Um, mm. So, when you guys uh, arrived in uh, Nairobi, were there sort of international governments uh, sort of there, willing and uh, happy to help you? Were, did you were you getting sort of several offers to go to different countries? I mean, what was the situation? <laughs>
1: Well, yes. Um, actually, what what happened? I think we got um, traveling doc- UN traveling documents right away, um, and um, we were uh, we weren't quite sure where we were going to go, um, but we had a, a terrible fright because um, some uh, uh, security issues were at hand at the hotel, Jacaranda Hotel, where we were staying. Apparently, there were a lot of um, Ethiopian. Uh, spies around we weren't sure what was going to happen so we were whisked off uh, Nairobi um, uh, I mean Kenya and taken to Sweden uh, um, while we waited for for, um, our final destination which ended up being uh, for us the United States as my mother's uh, brother Dijaz Marzodi took us into his family my uncle and we ended up in uh, Virginia, uh, North Virginia, um, but there was some time, some period uh, to get the the um, uh, exile papers. So we kept, we went to Sweden and then Germany, waited up for a, quite a bit, and um, um, and then eventually made it
2: uh, to the US. And then completed your education in the US. I and mean, culturally, how, how how was that? How did you find that? <laughs>
1: um, You know, it's, it's, culturally was, was, um, uh, I think that's where I, I I believe I I really saw um, the racism uh, to your question, to earlier question. Uh, The schools I went to, the earlier school, the first year I went to was a a public school. And I felt uh, the, uh, there was such a divide between the races and, and actually a person like us who just showed up. And we were uh, traumatized from, you know, three years of a revolution. It was very, very difficult. And no, uh, it didn't matter where we were, it would have been difficult anyway. But coming, you know, adjusting to that was was hard enough. But um, uh, a year later, I ended up in another boarding school in upstate New York, <laughs> my last boarding school, uh, where it was a bit more isolated and a bit more um, easier to handle, uh, 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 that is the culture shock.
2: You're listening to Imperial Voice. This is In Our City. I'm William Heath. And I'm Tosi Bonileiri. Our guest today is Princess Esther Selassie Antohim. I think it,
0: you know, uh, perhaps I hope it, it doesn't sound like sweeping um, statement, but uh, apart from maybe the elite, the most Americans appear very, very insular. They're very sort of. They don't seem very interested in you know um, other cultures. You know, mm-hmm. for them, they wouldn't even half of them wouldn't even know where Ethiopia was. Well, that's, that's right.
1: <laughs> quite quite right. It was a strange, very you know, the fact that we had been in England it, It's so different, um, and the vastness and the uh, it was just just indescribably different. Um, um, uh, so. And uh, they weren't that curious about us, actually. Um, and uh, the only thing was we were dressed, we were still in mourning for my mother. And mm. uh, there we are, you know, early teenagers, but always wearing black. And so they were that that created sort of curiosity for them, why are we doing this, and this and that. So but that first year is a bit of a blank for me because there was just so much to overcome mm. psychologically and, and otherwise. Um, and um, uh, so I think it was the second year in boarding school where I was able to make uh, friends and and really uh, the, the environment created such, there were other international students. So there was more of a rapport there and connection uh, and friendship making.
2: We've got so much to talk about in terms of heritage and, and other things to get to, but, but do just just sketch in. I mean, you, you, you stayed in America, got married and, and yes. have made it your home.
1: Yes, um, I actually got married pretty early. Um, you know, one of the things that came out of my Ethiopian revolutionary experience was I was extremely curious about the Russian Revolution. You know, I, I I wanted to understand what happened, <laughs> what 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 did I just live through? So I I was drawn to Russian language and history, which I studied at the, at the undergraduate at New York University. And uh, my second year, uh, while studying the language, I met my husband, who was uh, Russian born, and so um, 84. That was barely like four. Uh, not that uh, five, six years after I arrived. So, uh, and I had my family early and uh, lived a very, uh, I lived in Alaska for 20 years. Um, so wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know oh, sorry. Why? Why? <laughs> well, my, my husband, my husband was a, a professor of theater. He was a playwright in Russia. Uh, so uh, he got a tenure position in, in Fairbanks, Alaska, and we, we were both um, ready to go and, and, and uh, be pioneers of our own. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, but prior to that, I want to say I did get married. He came from a country, he, he, he um, also escaped, um, he um, defected from Russia, okay. so uh, during our marriage um, two years after we met, we went to Jerusalem as our uh, only spiritual uh, country at the time that we could actually go to, and we were married there in Jerusalem, so...
2: Is he of the Orthodox tradition, the Russian Orthodox tradition?
1: Russian, Russian Orthodox, well, Ethiopian Orthodox as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we were actually married in a, a Russian Orthodox church uh, just across the, uh, the way from the Holy Sepulchre. And then by 86, uh, by 89, I moved to, Ala- to Alaska for 20 years. And so I was a- away for a lot of the years. My only connection uh, with Ethiopia during that time There was uh, during the famine of 1984, I was involved in uh, fundraising and that felt good in connecting with with the homeland, although obviously for tragic reasons.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, I wrote my thesis, my master's thesis on uh, Ethiopians and Rastafari. I was very, very curious about... um, I don't know if we have time here. The phenomena of the connection between Ethiopia and, and Rastafari, and and how Ethiopian diaspora dealt and connected with it. So um, yes, I read the synopsis. It's um, it sounded fascinating. Oh, thank you so much.
2: It's very um, very pertinent to, to 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 the life to living the legacy. So so those insights will be extremely helpful, and I think your thesis will be compulsory reading for a lot of our listeners.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. Um, I I found it very moving very um, at a time, you know, uh, when um, you are drawing distance. I mean, time goes by and you're, you're not connected. The connection again and again of um, was through Rastafarianism that you found Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing research of second-generation Ethiopians in the United States, uh, I was fascinated to find out that the symbols, the Ethiopian imperial symbols, that Rastafarians uh, took and, and uh, treasured uh, were associated by second-generation Ethiopians, young Ethiopians as Rastafarian. Mm. I found that, you know, that phenomena, amazing. So uh, I, I enjoyed uh, learning about Rastafari and learning about it as I obviously, I, uh, when I wrote this uh, thesis
0: and I continued to uh, admire and the movement. Well, I think one of the things you mentioned, I think, in the, in the synopsis is um, how the dislocation that has happened with sort of Ethiopians moving, many Ethiopians moving to America and to other places, has made them be able to relate better to the Rasafari um, mm-hmm. culture, whereas previous to that, there was, there, was, there wasn't much um, synergy it's
1: true. You know, the Ethiopian migration experience is, is not that long at all. Prior to the revolution, there were only uh, you know, a handful of students that came out, very, very few. The massive um, migration happened uh, after the revolution in the late 70s. And on, So their experience, you know, the experience of the black man in the diaspora, uh, as expressed particularly by Rastafarians, was not a shared experience for Ethiopians. They just simply didn't have that, uh, you know, parallel experience. Whereas now, I think they're growing more and more uh, in, into that experience and uh, there will be obviously more understanding. But at the time when I was looking at this study... You know, it was 2007 is when I wrote the, uh, the thesis. It was it was it wasn't clear. Uh, it wasn't clear, and there were still a lot of misunderstanding and uh, not shared experience. Let's put it that way, uh, of the diaspora experience.
2: Yeah. So I'm very interested about what you say about the symbols, because we fly a flag outside Fairfield House. The ambassador was going to do a visit, and there was a big discussion about whether the flag we were flying was a Rastafari uh-huh. flag we took the view that it was the correct contemporary flag the imperial flag for Ethiopia which would have flown in his imperial majesty's time i mean do you think do you think those symbols need to be reclaimed are you happy that they're adopted by the rastafari is it is it fine that different things mean different things to different people
1: absolutely i i i i think um, no, uh, they, 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 it means it, it means a different thing for different people, different time. Uh, I think, in some phenomenal way, um, the direct uh, inheritors of uh, imperial Ethiopia, in some regard, uh, were Rastafarians. Because if Ethiopians claim it back now, it's after uh, x amount of years of absence. And and uh, but the ones who directly took it uh, because in the 70s to claim anything imperial was against the state and you, you went to prison for it. You died for it. So um, and then and then you had a generation that came after it that didn't know anything about that because it was destroyed or people were afraid to talk about, uh, to, about it. So so I, I think. There is no distortion as far as I'm concerned. One thing means something to a group of people and it means something else uh, to another. Let's take the flag, for instance, is the uh, Lion of Judah. What does the Lion of Judah mean to Ethiopians today? I have no idea. <laughs> mm. I, I, I don't know what that means to them other than, well, this was something that the Imperial Ethiopia, uh, but, 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 but as a heritage, does it have any value? Uh, what does it mean? It's not something that I think most Ethiopians would know or have defined for themselves. So I think it's, it's, it's yet to, uh, uh, but but we would have probably lost a lot uh, had not the Rastafarians for their own development and for their own journey found uh, these symbols and other uh, things value. Uh, um, to keep it
0: like custodians of it, you know, so this is my feeling anyway. So in, in many ways, the um, emperor was, uh, I think William will agree as well, very forward thinking, the, the, the fact that he understood the emotional needs of um, black people in diaspora, which is yes. something was very alien to most Ethiopian people because of the, as you say, homogeny and the lack of the, lack of the colonial experience. Right, And yet the emperor was amazingly sympathetic and empathetic with those who hadn't had the same sort of experience as him.
1: It's true, isn't it? Um, I think, I think, um, I suppose as a leader, you, you, you know, it, it speaks to the kind of leader and, and that he was that um, the, the empathy, uh, I think he also comes from a country that has great disparage, disparaging uh, experiences of, 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 if we don't want to call it race, but there is poverty. So, um, and and I think for him to uh, empathize would be something that he's, it's well-developed in him. He doesn't have to necessarily experience it. Uh, but I, I wonder, again, I don't know this, I'm speculating, I wonder his experience as a uh, as an exiled emperor and at that point, almost like a private person, gave him a better view of what uh, of that what that experience might be like as a black man, as well as how you know he saw intimately and 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 face to face the experience of the black man uh, uh, in the west. so I wonder but but outside of that, I want to also offer that he was, uh, in his leadership, a very empathetic um, and therefore, uh, you know, a great leader. He was
2: empathising always. That's very interesting, the thought of the effect of that break and his time in Bath, Britain. I can't get over the fact, you know, we've got all this... um residual accounts of how appallingly cold the imperial family found it in Fairfield House but if you and your husband went by choice to live in Alaska for 20 years I think that that puts that in perspective and we'd love to hear um so you've you've founded Heritage Watch Ethiopia we'd love to hear sort of about the journey into that and what's 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 taken you to that that work with Ethiopia's heritage.
1: It, it kind of evolved when, when my husband and I returned in 2009, actually, on, on his prompting, uh, that it was time that I, I got back to my natal home and, and start become part of it and let's see what we can do. I didn't immediately go into Heritage Watch Hour. We did a variety of different things. He was into theatre. He was trying to experiment with nonverbal theatre uh, for himself and, and other things. Uh, But but what really got me into it was, um, uh, you know, Addis was and still is um, changing very rapidly. There's a a great um, growth going on, development, infrastructure changes, and and the city has exploded into something kind of unrecognizable right now. Uh, I see this in a good way. Um, uh, and in the process, um, you saw, uh, you know, neighborhoods disappearing and, um, some of them were relocated for that purpose, but then historical homes, heritage homes were, you know, I, I'd go into a neighborhood two weeks later, I would not find the house that was there. Either. So there was a sort of a panic, uh, ris- panic realization. We better do something, um, uh, who was responsible for them. And then we went, um, I went and started asking uh, that they were all practically, because of the revolution, they were um, uh, confiscated, most of them, and uh, they were in the hands of the government. And um, so I quickly realized maybe a civil society organization, um, there had been others uh, before, uh, but if, we continued to do work they had started uh, to advocate for these homes and see if we could save some. And um, uh, we registered and immediately tried to get uh, a stock of how many houses there were. So we, uh, we wrote a proposal to have about 300 um, heritage uh, buildings surveyed uh, and um, which we have succeeded to do. Uh, just, to, just to not to lose sight and to understand the stock of it and what situation they're in, and try to, to know more about them. Um, and um, this was uh, in early 2018. Now two years, almost three years um, later, um, our work with Heritage Watch really is uh, advocacy, education. Uh, and uh, also to, to network with the resources and need. In other words, find uh, the financial or technical assistance to, to help conservation process wherever we can, we can identify it. And so this is the work it's been doing. Uh, in addition to that, uh, there is a great interest. We're in the middle of uh, writing a proposal and find, uh, seeking funding for uh, heritage clubs, uh, this is to do with ch- um, children education, ch- children heritage education, because we feel um, if, if that was introduced, if heritage value uh, education existed uh, at, the, at the secondary level, at the primary level, it would be um, a great understanding and sympathy for um society would feel very differently about their heritage coming up so uh, so we're working on that as well there is another uh, pro- uh program we're working on uh called um, heritage for peace and that has to do with the the, the fact that uh, there are areas of um uh, political and social struggle, uh, and oftentimes heritage uh, development stunts development in general is stunted in these areas, and and we're trying to um, sort of um, change that by by uh, offering that uh, sometimes the value of heritage is is the solution to some of the problems that the, the society is facing. Mm. So. In short, this is this is um, what heritage watch is, is involved in.
2: You're listening to Imperial Voice. This is in our city. I'm William Heath, and I'm Tosi Onileri. Our guest today is Princess Esther Selassie Antohima.
0: How were you, your um, ideas received, particularly knowing people knowing that you were are sort of part of the imperial family?
1: Um, um, I'm pretty. Uh, well, I, I think it's, it, uh, it is known that I am uh, his great granddaughter in, in this effort. Um, there was uh, about a year ago, I did a, a, a radio interview where I did um, tell, I did speak about Heritage Watch. And in that connection, they, the radio station was very curious about what it, what it was like to be a, a royal and what were the. So there were questions like that where I publicly. Um, uh, answered but the day-to-day for me um, is hands-on you know I I, I don't have protocol or, or any of that sort of thing so it's been okay um, now it, about five ten years ago that would be probably unthinkable uh, I think the ad- environment has changed for the better uh, for someone like myself to be active in the way I am uh and uh, largely due to the fact that um, uh, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed himself has um, uh, been behind the conservation project of uh, Unity Park, it was the uh, old Menelik Palace has been converted into this amazing um, uh, uh, tourist destination. Another park was built up in Ndoto. So, so the environment is very conducive to, to what we're doing. Um, and also accepting someone like myself to be part of that that work. Thank thank goodness, you know. Um, so it's been all right uh, and so, and supportive for
2: now. And is your is your perception from from first seeing that it's changing so fast that that it's not just official Ethiopia as in the Ethiopian government, but that it's Ethiopians, the actions of individual Ethiopians, and of civil society that. Awaken that love of heritage, and and will care for the history and the heritage.
1: Yes, I I, I think I think um, uh, there isn't there hasn't been um, uh, tradition of civil society uh, to be part of um, uh, speaking for or taking care of heritage. Um, mm. You know, I, I think it's difficult in a vacuum just to be to be. Um, uh, sympathetic or, or show your, your uh, show your um, support. Um, uh, now the difference I, I do want to say, um, you know, by, by trying to answer your question, when we first came on, we really felt like we were just the lone voice in this um, uh, clamor for, uh, you know, change and skyscrapers and all that. Um, but um, now, uh, almost three years later. Just recently, about um, three weeks ago, there was one heritage, incredibly um, important heritage building was destroyed. And you found such, such anger and such uh, vocal expression of um, civil society, uh, 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 albeit uh, via social media, um, uh, expressing their disappointment in, in losing something like that. Now, that's a great change. That yeah. was not there uh, three years ago. Um, and so that, that change is very, very important. And I think civil society is finding its voice um, and its rightful voice, I, I feel, to speak up and and, and uh, retain uh, their heritage.
2: So I'd be really interested to hear how you perceive his imperial majesty's legacy to Bath.
1: I think uh, Bar, um, Fairfield House, again, you know, th- these are my own perceptions, mm. uh, was a place um, that he held very dear because uh, uh, people, while in exile, were a very gracious to him as he expressed it himself but I think this was an important uh, time of his life where he learned sometimes we learn the valuable things in the hard way and as an exiled person um, he probably learned a lot of things about life and uh, uh, um, so um, uh, it's an important place for him I I feel Um, and and so much so that he he gifted the place. Uh, the only way he could uh, honor the honor he got during um, uh, his stay was to regift it to to the people of Bath. Uh, one of the uh, I spoke. I, I wrote a little bit about this uh, this um, uh, uh, the fact that um, uh, Fairfield House was also um, a place where uh, His Majesty and Her Majesty actually brought. Um, uh, a tabot, which is the uh, sacrament of the ch- church, of the uh, Orthodox church, along with them, um, the um, Ark of the Covenant, a replica that every church in Ethiopia has, uh, they brought with them um, in order to worship while they were in exile. And I understand um, the greenhouse is where it was kept. And of course, they had um, a, a monk and a priest um, that officiated the the liturgies. Uh, and um, after their period, in, uh, when they were returned to Ethiopia, they brought back the, the Tabot, we call it the Tabot. And to this day, mm, uh, it, it, the church where it, the Tabot was from and was returned to uh, is, um, uh, uh, the church of Madhani um, Alam, the saviour of the world. Mm-hmm. It's across the street from Addis Ababa University. And to this day, it is known as the exiled Tabot, mm-hmm. named for, for the time it was exiled with his majesty. And um, I think heritage is like that. And and of course it serves and, and um uh, uh, but the the name was retained, that experience somehow was was engraved on that church, um, and um, I think that speaks to the fact uh, of how how um, faithful His Majesty and Her Majesty were and how um, uh, it encapsulates their experience for me. Um, and uh, uh the legacy is um uh, obviously one of great strength i would say uh, in general and um one that ha- ha- because they left it in the hands of, of um the citizens of bath uh, to this day we are trying to um work out uh, what would be relevant in the future not only the past uh, where he was there but um what we can do beyond beyond um, obviously him and uh, we're striving to make sense and relevance uh, according to his legacy now so uh, this is my my reflection on on the, uh, on, on that question
2: yeah it's, it's I mean it's a very significant legacy for us and hugely significant obviously for, for Ethiopian people and for and for Rastafari as well but I think it's uh, it's very interesting to me how, how you've painted his time in Bath as one not just of fortitude and adversity, but also an experience, I suppose, of growth and 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 learning of hard lessons, which he, he, he put to good use after that. Yeah. I sh- I should say, by the way, if we can't hear Tozin, it's because she's having internet problems.
1: Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> she, will,
2: okay. She, she will pipe up as and when she can. Um, yeah, okay. Go there. Hurrah.
0: I'm listening. I'm fascinated by everything that's been
2: said. I, <laughs> I'm I'm loving it as well. Yes. So, yes. um, so we feel that His Imperial Majesty's legacy and his reputation are, are, are underappreciated in Bath, but I think the same is true globally, really, isn't it? And do do you, do you sense a sort of resurgence of interest and appreciation in his statesmanlike and prophetic qualities? Yeah. Um.
1: I think. You know, what is the Bible saying that uh, a prophet is never appreciated in his own land? Mm. (laughs) Something like that. I'm not suggesting, I'm not saying he's uh, necessarily a prophet, but I'm just saying that it it seems to be the case with his majesty that uh, he's more, he's very well known. I'll give you an example. When we first came to the United States, no matter where I, I was during the earlier years, and even now, uh, when less now because I think that generation has died. Um, uh, the minute I'm asked where I'm from, I respond Ethiopia. I would say, listen, mm. um, this is the generation probably of Kennedys um, because he, he was here quite a lot. Uh, he uh, was a striking... Um, uh, Model, uh, an African model uh, leader uh, when he struggled uh, during the exile years, but then, uh, you know, when he is his uh, um, uh, speech at the League of Nations, which is so only mostly known by Rastafarians, Mm. um, it it was, uh, you know, uh, a very, very important. uh, defining moment for him and and I think for his reputation as well. Mm. Uh, a lot of people uh, not only black people or brown people but white people were very impressed by such a leader an African leader. Um, I feel uh, there is an opportunity at this moment in particular where we are uh, dialoguing closely about the relations, racial relations between um, uh, between the races, and I think young people uh, might find uh, his leadership at a time when you know when at such a time that he excelled, he came up up uh, against adversity and uh, was able to um, represent Africa in such a such a glowing way. Um, uh, I think is is a timeless uh, thing that can uh, uh, encourage and strengthen leadership among um, uh, uh, young uh, black and brown people, or young people. I think. Um, It hasn't been tapped to the extent that it can. Mm. Uh, This is my feeling. Mm. Mm.
2: Well, certainly uh, what you say about inspiration to young people rings true with us. A a project team of us uh, took his story, the story of his time in Bath out to 30 schools last October for Black History Month. And kids and teachers loved the story. Uh, they didn't yes. know it, even if their schools were very local. They loved hearing about the the, the war, the exile, the you know keeping lions and cheetahs as pets. Right. That The idea that he'd been the model for the Black Panther and the, the Marvel figure. I mean, he's a he's a, a, a remarkable, and extraordinarily accessible figure for children, but with just such deep lessons associated with him.
0: Yeah. Now that you mention children, we I the I have to ask. What is the relationship of your children to both Ethiopia and Russia?
1: <laughs> well, um, well, I could I could tell you their names, uh, so that sort of sets it up uh, how we want them to identify with both uh, heritage. So um, my daughter's name is uh, Alexandra Ejugayo Selassie Antoin, and my son's name is Alexei Tafari Selassie Antoin. So. These were, we were clearly, uh, we were clear about that. They had two, two um, different heritage <laughs> in them and that they, we didn't want them to be outside of it. That's why when they were in Russia, they, he could use Alexei. When he was in Ethiopia, he was going to use Tafari. Mm. Um, and um, they speak uh, Russian, perhaps not, not uh, like native but we, we made sure that they uh, are versed in that. And in Amharic, uh, my daughter was a doctor, Alexandra Antohen, did her master's thesis, um, you know, her doctorate thesis in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. So from the start, uh, we wanted to make sure that they had um, incredible heritage uh, that they, they had to, they could partake of, and um, they have,
2: <laughs> good to say so uh, if you uh, uh, what would be your hopes for the future for heritage in ethiopia and for his imperial majesty's reputation uh, not just in ethiopia but 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 globally are there are there specific things you would foresee or you'd hope for
1: well i i uh, personally um, feel uh, heritage in ethiopia i think um uh, is already as I, I try to describe is is uh, the uh, there is a difference in the in the right direction uh, i think um, uh, the activities of um, uh, the government as well as private uh, organizations such as heritage watch and others um, are, are, are making a difference and will continue to make a difference i think um, heritage is about identity it's about and that becomes very, very important in a very global world that we live in. Um, uh, I think uh, as we find uh, there's an uh, uh, inwardness about Ethiopian, Ethiopians running back to Ethiopia after so many years, like myself. Um, And uh, so I'm hopeful that that will happen, but there is a lot of work to be done. It's not going to happen by itself. Um, uh, I think we have to find what Ethiopian version of um, appreciating com- uh, heritage looks like and, and, and doing it our own way. Um, uh, it, it gets frustrating when, when you try to impose, as, as I sometimes do, because my experience is so Western, I try to come back and, and try to do it the Western way and as quickly as the Western way. It doesn't work like that. So <laughs> I'm discovering. Um, and, and there is value in, in Ethiopians learning, doing it their own way. And and for me to learn that would be uh, amazing as well.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: his Majesty's legacy is, uh, I feel, um, uh, it, it inspires. You know, I, I'm glad you brought it up because for children he has so many things relatable, loved animals and uh, uh, and um, uh, his youth could uh, could inspire. But I think as a whole um, uh, that. Um, yes, he was of, obviously of a select uh, imperial family, where he's 225th descendant of King Solomon and Queen of Sheba. All that is there, but you know, if you look Ethiopian history closely, um, you know, he didn't have uh, the, you know uh, the throne handed to him. He he had to fight. Uh, there was um, you know, uh, and I think that struggle for for uh, you know the ambition. To um, to get where he got and then to rule for 40 years, there may be voices there that uh, object to the fact that he didn't rule perhaps uh, as well as they would like, but nonetheless he did rise to the to the to the as an exceptional um, leader um, in the world stage, and I hope young people are particularly uh, feeling uh, let down by experiences of racism. Um, uh, will look to him to see that you can overcome uh, and you need to struggle in this life that nothing really comes. uh, He overcame exile as well Um, and um, his life with all its trials and and privileges um, ended up being um, a glowing one and I I hope young um, leaders Uh, To be leaders can look to his life and and find inspiration in it, uh, enrichment in it, and um, some kind of a program could could uh, echo that and uh, promote what he was uh, so that for the benefit of young people over the future, I think would be some dream I would I'd like to be part of
0: and uh, help shape if that were to be there. I was going to just say that, you know, um, do you not find that there is some irony, to the fact that as you are trying to preserve Ethiopia's heritage, um, from our, my understanding, my very poor understanding, um, mm-hmm. there is, appear to be like two civil wars, which probably almost inevitably will also mean the destruction of um, many heritage sites. Um,
1: There is, um, as as far as I understand it, you know, um, I am a a non-profit, non-political organization. Obviously, Uh, the the landscape I work in does affect what we do. Um, I don't know if I would, uh, I don't want to necessarily identify it as a civil war, although I know it has been. There is great disturbance in Tigray region uh, in the last few months and an ongoing uh, civil unrest or ethnic clashes uh, throughout Ethiopia. Um, the heritage for peace idea talks about, and I want to answer it that way, it talks about the fact that there are challenges, social challenges ongoing in, in a country like Ethiopia. And, and, um, uh, for, for somebody who is in heritage uh, development uh, and management like myself, um, we cannot get involved with the politics of it because that's not our expertise or know how. So um, uh, we can only try and uh, look to solutions in what we're doing to alleviate uh, 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 the conflicts as we as we as we can possibly do. Um Otherwise, we, we are to leave them, to leave our, you know, not, not engage at all until everything is peaceful. And that's sort of an impossible proposition, I think. Um, the, what's going on in Tigray is, is very sad and there's uh, a lot of displacement and uh, suffering of people. Um, and um, uh, that's sort of beyond our expertise or know-how as to how to solve that. Um, but we continue to work because we believe heritage is a way to peace. We 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 do our contribution to 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 development of peace. Mm-hmm. I hope that that answers your question.
0: Well, thank you very much. I'm sure that um, that wasn't the most comfortable question to answer. Uh, answer, but I right. felt like some of our listeners would kind of feel like as if we left something unasked if we didn't explore it a little bit. Yes. Um, it's been a great pleasure. It's been an exciting, um, oh, heart wrenching at moments, um, adventure with you to to hear your story and to um, just as you said that your grandfather was an uplifting figure. Um, I think your story as well probably um, you would you would be very encouraging to to you know thousands of if not you know, hundreds of thousands of people, um, if they were able to hear that story and you are a wonderful role model as well. Thank you Thank very, you sir. so very, very kind of you. Thank you so much. Okay, my me. thanks
2: as well. It, uh, we, we really uphold you in your work. It's, it's, it's wonderful and inspiring. It's, a, it's, it's an extraordinary story and we're very, very pleased you're able to join us. Thank, Thank you, you so much. So much. It you was wonderful
1: look. to be with you both. Thank you.
2: You've been listening to In Our City with our special guest, Esther Selassie Antaheen, who's the great granddaughter of the Emperor, whose generous gift of Fairfield House we work to preserve and to celebrate. Stay tuned to Imperial Voice.